wake and bake with the boys Pull out some weed and get high Dude smoking on the phone while Scotty's talking Way too long, got time to smoke one more Taking the message to the people now Keep smoking and growing and watching prohibition fall down What's up, guys? Good times in studio today, hanging out with uh, Dr. Colin Bell and uh, Mo, if you will, from Mammoth Microbes. Yes, yes. And and just, I'm going to represent and say, it's ladies and gentlemen, it's not just guys, man. What about going green thumb? True, huh? true, true. <laughs> but Colin, fresh off, uh, we'll call it what? Pacific Northwest tour, Oregon, Washington? Pacific Northwest, last three weeks. Yeah, it's been a really fun trip. Two weeks in Washington, finished that second week in Canacon in Seattle, and then Moved through Portland, uh, south, and left out of Medford Friday. You know, is Canacon this? They tour, right? That's a, like a touring expo. Is that the same one no, that happened not in uh, Vegas? No, that's MJ BizCon. But what, what's the really fancy ones, man? What's up with those ones that are like a thousand dollars? No, like four hundred and fifty dollars to attend or four twenty. MJ Biz, yeah, yeah, the, the MJ sales. Biz, the sales yeah. pretty spendy. Yeah, MJ Biz, they they're touring also. Their big one is in Las Vegas. They have one in, I think, New Orleans this year. They have one in Canada this year. Last year, they had one in the Northeast in Boston. And so they, they tour around. I had one in Florida last year also. Are you going to New Orleans? I'm not going to New Orleans because I'm going to go to Europe instead. Oh, I mean, if I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if I'm thinking uh, Europe tour or New Orleans, yeah, I'm going to hit Europe too. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, anyway. good, good food, though, man. Good, good well, food uh, yeah, either New way. It's great. Let's get into the Northwest. Like, what's, what's, what's happening out there with the scene? We got all kinds. We were chatting before we we got in here today between, you know, f- smaller farms potentially shutting down, people going out of business, people staying in business, people getting bigger. The what were you seeing out there? flower, man. Yeah, Whoa. those are all a bunch of really interesting topics. And so, as everyone knows, we get out in the field, data and discovery driven. We figure out what's going on in these different regions. And all these regions, especially in the U.S., are very different. Because you're looking to enhance, when, when you go in, you're you're enhancing quality. Is that what, when you walk into a, a professional grow with Mammoth Pay, are you saying you get more yield, better? Better quality. What are you trying to compete on? Yield for sure, without sacrificing quality. The growers that are using Mammoth P feel like their quality is getting a lot better. Okay, I think that there's strain, some strain specificity that I can't say for sure and enhances quality across all strains because because the strains have a lot to do with the quality. But all the growers that are using Mammoth P regularly feel like they're getting more terpene production uh, and their plants have looked uh, healthier than ever, which uh, naturally promotes quality. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So and so Washington, what's going on in Washington? There are 1,100 plus commercial cultivation facilities, about 400 retail outlets, and there's a ton of excess flower grown. There's a ton of demand for flour. The flour sales in Washington is huge, but there's so much excess product that the farmers are getting pinched by cost. And the price of flour in, in Washington on average is ranging between on the very, very low end, and this is more in eastern Washington, 50 cents a gram, and that's very bleak, Yowie. closer to a buck or two. And if you're getting $3.50 per gram, you're doing very well at the wholesale price. And that's that's scary for these farmers. Yeah, now, this is a commercial. I'll do the math really quick, man. It's um, four fifty four in a pound. I'm, I'm just kidding. I can do the math. It's about two hundred twenty five dollars for a pound of, of finished cannabis. I mean, that's how much right. you have, how much you have to pay to trim? You know what I mean? Just to trim it. Costs are really scary for these cultivation facilities, and it's the whole 
picture, not only do you have to worry about your inputs, you have to worry about your, your yield. You have to make as much yield and get the best quality flower as possible. And then every aspect of running that grow lighting, all the infrastructure costs, which are huge every month. Right. And then the big piece of this, and you just mentioned it, is labor. How much labor do you need to pay? I mean, that's got to be a struggle for that? you. You're like, listen, I got a great micro product. Let me spread the message. And then everybody's pinching pennies on their inputs. You know, it's like it's we, a struggle. We joke with uh, one of our growers like, yeah, Dr. J just uses the blue crystals. You know, like people are really, you know, going down to just the bare minimum. But you have to have total quality, too, you're saying. That's right. I mean, how do you? Yeah, that's and so I tough. think that that's a really interesting puzzle for us. And as as a microbial company, you have a microbial company also. Right. Our impact. You know, I didn't get into this for money. I didn't even want a business. What I wanted to do is make an impact, and we felt like using a business as a way I could make an impact. Our company and team can make an impact to get solutions to farmers. Sure. We're doing this through microbial solutions. You know what we do? Mammoth P is our first product, but. Figuring out it's about changing the world. Yeah, it's about and changing. You the need world. money to change the world. And unfortunately, to change the world, you have to be dynamic in a dynamic environment. The cannabis, the cannabis market and industry is changing quickly, very quickly. Washington's a perfect example. Where two years ago it was completely different than it is today. It's really scary how quickly it's moving. And as a company owner, a co-founder of Mammoth Microbes, we have to figure out how to meet those challenges. We have to figure out how to get technologies to these growers because they still need increased yield. Sure. They still need increased quality, but they need to figure out how they can do that and make the economics work. And so we're figuring out how to do this because we think incorporating microbes into their grows are going to help them. But we have to understand how to best help them and how they can adopt and meet all these other challenges on the economic side as well. What are you seeing business wise? I mean, as far as there's a whole scale of smaller family, you know, or, or you know, organic farms, whatever to huge, you talked about a commercial facility that had what 50 bloom rooms or something. And yeah, you called it like the Amazon warehouse of cannabis grow. Yeah. yeah and they, they actually, I didn't, I didn't talk about this part. They have chefs and they're making like sweet tarts and different, candies are THC and it's delicious. They have French chefs and stuff like that. It's amazing. <laughs> what I'll say is there's tier one, tier two, tier three in Washington. And it's really scary to be a family farm and you're all in and you're trying to compete in this very, very, very competitive landscape. And then you have entities that are hundred thousand, multi hundred thousand square foot facilities right. that are well-funded that are growing a lot of flour. And one of the I think one of the strategies with some of these larger farms, I've heard this, and so it's anecdotal. It's not like I was in strategy conversations yeah. with these grows, is they're making all the demand, and you can push out a lot of the smaller farms just like you would in bigger industries and then start controlling the market because you have less competition because you control supply again. Sure. That's happening in these markets. It's for sure happening in Oregon, and it's for sure happening in Washington. So, man, it's almost be careful what you wish for. That veil of the black market kept my profits up, kept uh – yeah, revenues up, I'll say, you know, now that anyone that has any cash can get into it. Uh, it's just becoming another business and all the profits are being taken out of it. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. And, the, and the black market is still thriving for sure. I think there's going to be an inherent black market. You can't get rid of that. And I've heard that, uh, <laughs> what are we going through the Pacific Northwest for sure. Oh yeah, man. We did a story about 48 pounds, uh, like containers, big, big yeah. containers falling off this guy's truck. He has had him like strapped to the bottom of his truck yeah. and like 48 pounds at a time fall all throughout uh, Nebraska. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. The cops are just following them, picking them up and yeah. And I mean, lucky for Nebraska, they're getting yeah. shelf weed now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? 
Yeah, I don't feel so. Yeah, I guess as long as everybody's getting paid, everybody does need to get paid or else everybody starts taking shortcuts and then the quality goes down. Yeah, well, yeah and a lot right. of people hate to see big business coming in. And I feel I tell people I hate, you know, I hate to see people that are energetic to become a commercial. I'm going to do this. I want to start my own facility. I'm like, man, once it goes federally legal, a lot of the stuff is just going to be either bought or crushed. It'll be super hard. That's like me. Um, jumping in, which some people do, and saying I'm going to start a brewery that does happen, and it is successful. But the price per pound going down, like two and a quarter, and that's wholesale pricing from facility to distributor, sure. if you will. That's really a good thing, right? The, the the more affordable cannabis is, the more people can get their hands on it. No, that's it that depends. my feeling. Does about it become it. another shitty job though? Has it become another eight dollar an hour job? And am I am I now a, a trim slave? You know what I mean? It's another job. I'll just say I'll reflect that people in these cannabis. Where it used to be a really high-paying job as a grower or as a trimmer, for example, right? pay 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, and I mean, that's tough work. I mean, I've yeah. trimmed for three days, and I get a cramp in, in my trapezius right here. You don't like trimming, Scotty? <laughs> I just, I'm telling you, that's what you do that. You know, try to trim 12 pounds by yourself and tell, totally me, tell me that your hands don't, you know, you don't have cramps all up your arm. Exactly. They uh, call it the pain cave still, don't they? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I need a week off after that. Man, yeah, that's right. <laughs> man but uh, so you were saying that just like in any other business, what you're seeing is the winners are building their brands. We were talking about the Jungle Boys with the Jungle Boys. Yeah. yeah, if the Jungle Boys hold up your product, man, you're a millionaire. You know, I don't say a millionaire, but you got some sales on your hands. I man. think branding is key. And, you know, you go to any one of these big conferences where they talk about business, the marijuana uh, MJ Biz Conference, right. these others, you have to have a brand, just like in any other industry here also. And that's one of the biggest challenges uh, some of the growers in Washington and Oregon are facing. And I spoke with these growers and these entities. You know, as soon as you can control and have a dominant brand, you can control the demand for your flower because people want your brand and your brand's built on quality, you know? And so you or have hype. to have brands <laughs> built on a lot of things. The cannabis growers want to build their brand on quality. Sure. And, and cannabis consumers are going to know what that means. And so I don't think that you can build a, a brand off of poor quality. I think you can build a brand off of supreme quality. But Just give me have, some of that Bob Marley natural stuff when you go to the <laughs> store there, honey. <laughs> right. If you can do that, uh, cultivators can take uh, charge of the destiny of their companies sure. and start taking control and dictating, you know, prices and economics around their wholesale flower for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's definitely big business. There's, you know, and, and we knew it as soon as investment came in, as soon as you had major investment coming in, you had you know, millions of dollars and, and what, you know, whatever hedge funds and all that. And I don't say hedge funds. Is there a cannabis hedge fund now? Uh, It'd be a lot cooler if there was, man. Sure. Venture capital. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Folks with money saying, yo, this is the next big thing. And yeah. I'm all for it. But as long as they're cool, man. Yep. And that's where there's a distinguishing competitive advantage when, some venture capital backed uh, cultivation that has millions and millions of dollars and is building a huge enterprise is now competing against the family farm. And the family farm is going to have a hard time making those economics work, the economy of scale work and competing against these big entities. And it's going to, it's happening in every state. You know what my venture capital said to me one time? What? Isn't this something we can spray on it, Scotty? You know, to make it way more. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be careful there. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> what else, dude? What you got, brother? Um, I was going to take it take it into some grow, man. Take it yeah. into some grow. With, uh, you had mentioned the comment 
uh, we had on a previous recent show about yeah. what synthetics versus organics or something. Yeah, we just had somebody comment. He was like, "Well, if uh, if if the plant can't tell organics versus synthetics, then how can you?" Because we were talking about how you can taste the difference between synthetic and organically grown cannabis. And I'll let, I'll let the doctor talk about it. I certainly. Uh, Think I think I could defend this argument, but let's let's let the doctor t- doctor handle it. So I, I like to keep things simple. If you can tell a difference in quality, is there a difference? If you s- taste a flower and it, yes. and it tastes better, is there a difference? Hey, why does organic produce go for more in in the grocery store? Because it sucks. Because you can't tell the difference. Just because it feels good. That because it tastes better. I don't know. It tastes better. Compare, yeah. Com- and can you compare cannabis to produce? I mean, I would. I think you I can. Yeah. Bet, let's say we have let's say we have thirty entries at the DGC Cup. We don't mm-hmm. know what's organic or what's synthetic, right? And if you went down the line of thirty and you picked your five best tasting ones, uh-huh. I mean, do you think they're more prone? I bet you wouldn't. You know, you'd be surprised. I, I mean, I've tasted surprised. so many different types of cannabis that, was, like we've said before, hey, what was that growing with? Man, A and B. And and an organic component, I bet. A and B and some earthworm castings. We always say fish brings the dank. A and B and some (laughs) fish or some compost. Yeah, but something to complement it. A and B can can give you your building blocks of nutrition, but there's got to be something there to buffer it and to get it to get it into the soil uh, into the plant. Uh, Yeah, I I think so. And we talked about this the last time we were in the studio. There's things, components that A and B are not providing. Yep. And if you have this added component and we call it organics, we can call that generically. But at the end of the day, it does come down to ions to a large degree. These are nutrients, but it's not just NPK. It's NPK in the whole suite of micronutrients in the whole suite of trace metals. I go over that real NPK is your macronutrients. Those are yeah. the three things that you need in huge amounts. They're important. Sure. They're incorporated at relatively a lot higher concentration into our biomolecules or into physiological processing at the cellular level to allow our plants to function, to grow, to incorporate biomass and actually incorporate yield. Right. However, all the other micronutrients are important too. You know, there's a lot of things that help facilitate maximal growth. And if you had NPK and you don't have your micronutrients, you are going to see a huge difference, not only in your yield, but in your quality, even more so. And the same way they throw a bunch of crap in bread and tell you it's vitamins that aren't absorbed. They can throw a bunch of crap into your nutri- you know, your synthetic nutrients and be like, no, we got it. We got all that stuff in there. If it's not absorbed, if the, if the plant can't use it, then good luck. You yeah, know, what, what good was it for? It's not getting delivered into the plant. Anything the plant's not taking up and incorporating into sure. biomolecules. At the end of the day, for sure, the plant is breaking down everything to the ion level. Just like the gentleman said, the gentleman or woman said, on that email that you referred to. Right. And they're taking it up and that's how they're incorporating it. But there's a lot more to the picture than just those discrete, you know, NPKs that are super important. And that's what we think is a microbes and microbial natural cycling allow us to liberate that, to deliver that. And you need to make sure you have the full package. Yeah. If we could deliver everything that's incorporated in the soil or organics in a synthetic medium, we could probably get closer to uh, delivering that higher quality. But I don't think that we understand that well yet. Well, I think it's like people, I think it can be compared to other crops because part of it, you know, just kind of science aside, if you're just somebody that's smoking, like maybe you can taste the difference, maybe not. But I think people want to know. It's also like this mental part of it. It's like I'm smoking something organic, so it's better for me. It's like what you're putting into your body. Yeah, I I agree 100 percent. And I think that there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of things that go into organics that are, are processed and assimilated that are just missed synthetically. Yeah, I think so. I think just in, intuitively, 
I have to believe that, you know, and we should do a better job of actually understanding what those are over time. What about bricks? We test bricks is uh, guru's been teaching me a little bit about bricks. It's it's uh, the sugar content. Oh, you don't have a mic. Sorry. But um, so bricks, when we look at organic and synthetic uh, grown produce or whatever, there's a significant difference, though. Right. I've seen a zero bricks tomato before. Yeah. And that's probably not a very good flavorful tomato <laughs> right i think i've eaten them too yeah <laughs> you exactly. know what i mean so exactly so bricks content and in, in referring to tomato production is a really important metric or measure uh for quality and actual health of the tomato or you know the health component of the tomato We're right nutrition the nu- nutrition there you factor go. yeah the, yeah i mean i'm i just i can draw a parallel to cannabis you know i mean it's it, you know, let's think about it, man. They're my Jamaican tomatoes, man. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see at the, <laughs> yeah at at our event. I would like to see at the end what what you know actually number seven, dude. That's totally organic sure. or isn't? You know, I would say you that's got some really great genetics. Thing to ask next time, you can dive in after after the yeah we after definitely the competition. Will. That would be really fun. Uh, yeah. Just because, uh, shout out to Jr. First off, before I forget, for helping Ooh. coordinate this, and uh, Jr. Talk is he has a question. Absolutely, we love Jr. A question on here because uh, I believe there are more uh, current culture as a system. It's a deep water culture system, more popular. I think they're actually out of the Northwest. Um, he, has a, he says he's hearing guys who are using mammoth pea and deep water, current culture hydro. I didn't say that right, but deep water culture and saying the roots are now wider and bigger than before, as well as their lines are staying cleaner. Which to me doesn't make any sense. First, I'm picturing microbes are going into the rhizosphere, and I'm always picturing soil, cocoa, whatever, and there's things in there for the hangout. And I don't even picture them being able to, where are they hanging out? How is it working? And yeah, and just pure uh, hydro, yeah, so pure deep water questions. culture. For sure. So I can explain that, at least how I think about it. And there's a couple different questions in like there. I'm picturing where, there's nothing. Where are they hanging out? There's a habitat. Roots are the habitat. Okay. That's where they actually hang out in soil also. And if you look at like a heat map of microbes in soil, and if you see roots or plants plugged into that sure. soil profile. Can you get one of those for your grow room? I'd love to have that like on my wall, the yeah, heat map. Of my heat map. Yeah, be kind of cool. yeah. We'll work on it. But what you'll see is the hot spot is around the roots. Okay. Yeah. We roots just did a thing on a habitat. Yeah. We did something on that, a news story on that a couple of days ago. And it was like a hundred times more microbial activity in the rhizosphere and that one twentieth of an inch, you know, where the roots meet the, meet the soil, you know, yeah. the port. But yep. there's no soil there. It's so, but the roots do create a habitat, and there's so much surface area with any kind of life. And it's not just like a smooth root. At the microbial level, it looks like the Grand Canyon. Uh, all yeah. these crevices, and so gotcha. they fit into all these little spaces. It's hard to conceive. My favorite topic on Earth, probably scale, because it's fascinating to think about us, and then think about, you know, how 90% of us that you see right now is microbial bacterial cells on me right now. It's interesting. Right. But it's hard to think, huh, well, where are those 90% of me over there? But there's this habitat that you're, that you're, that your arm, that your skin's creating. We're and constantly destroying with antibiotics. <laughs> we are doing this for sure. But the roots create that zone. And as the microbes in these hydroponic environments are delivered or flushed through these roots, which happens uh, just inherently through those management practices, the microbes will stay. And partially because... Plants will exude carbon, sticky substances that the microbes can live off of, create this habitat, and then they exchange and, and are able to kind of stick within that environment to exchange nutrients and other properties. Only above a water line in a hydroponic system? You know, we have roots, obviously, that are submerged underwater. Completely with a lot of air, though. With yeah. a lot of air in there, though, with, in yeah. an active hydroponic system. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we think about, that's another thing about scale. If you or or I stuck my head in that hydroponic system, 
you know, we couldn't breathe, we would drown. Right. But there is oxygen in there. It's dissolved oxygen and microbes can use that oxygen to respire aerobically underwater. Super durable. That's like when everything else is gone, there'll still be a couple bacteria somewhere, something to start it all over again kind of thing. Oh yeah. And we'll be gone. The, rat. the bacteria will be <laughs> just right. fine, sir. Yeah. What about what some I've, I've seen this across the board with, you know, different people over on YouTube, our growers, um, the things that are happening towards the end of our grow with mammoth pea, uh, more purpling. Some people are reporting, yeah. um, Jarrah's wording it as greater genotypic expression yeah. towards the end of your growth cycle. Yeah. And how, what's causing that? Just the ability for the plant to more be itself because of its rhizosphere activity. Yeah. I think that's true to a large degree. I think that adding that, that final component, the microbial, that natural component allows plants as much as anything to maximize their ability to take up nutrients and take care of themselves. A healthy plant is a happy plant. It's going to yield the much it's going to express it's or maximize its phenotypic potential. Yeah. I think having the microbes in there, one of the key components that microbes do in the rhizosphere of the roots on a plant is cycle nutrients and exchanging with plants to make sure the nutrient uptake is maximized, improving nutrient use efficiency and like minimizing a lockout, which is kind of inherent, inherently the same thing. And so if a plant can continue to take up nutrients naturally in exchange with the microbes, it's going to be able to maximize its phenotypic potential, which is what we want. Yeah, man. Did that answer that question? Yeah. That's all you got is yeah, man? Yeah, I was, I'm yes. focusing. <laughs> and the doctor is speaking, all right? No, that does make sense, though, completely. And it's going to look different across different phenotypes. But we hear that all the time. Yeah. Plants, my plants have never looked better using the microbes, using recharge, using mammoth, because there's that inter interaction that the plants are actually able to express these things. And if you'll look at side by sides, microbes and non-microbes, and it goes back to the synthetic versus organic, the plants look different. Phenotypically, they look different. And they typically will look healthier when they have that extra component, that extra additive of nutrient cycling, where really what they're doing is able to take up more nutrients and assimilate those to maximize their health. And a healthy plant also fights off pathogens better naturally. That's what I'm tripping on, man. There's a reason I haven't that, set up my grow, yeah. grow yet, man. And it's because I am tired of getting spider mites in week five and having to go cheat with something. I'm like, no, I want to learn. I want to do better. You know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's it growing a complete plant. We're talking about the microbes that pull up. You know, they're not just pulling up the NPK. They're not just pulling up the secondaries. They're pulling up these, like, these trace minerals, yeah. you know, these micronutrients that are able to uh, in, in the right proportions and the plants able to mount natural defenses. You see that outdoors in nature but don't That's say exactly right don't put getting spider mites in week five and having to cheat you're not cheating but throw some beneficials in there or something there's options that but aren't i'm saying cheating. back no back in the day you look for whatever <laughs> you could get do to get rid of them no yes, yes that's that's not the natural thing to do chinaman grow style chinaman grow style exactly <laughs> that's right not derogatory we have chinaman grow as that's a an DGC official style explained okay. what that style is <laughs> but i think it also just comes back to what we were talking about with organic versus synthetic and people are just becoming more educated now and people want organic solutions they want natural solutions that, you know, can address these issues. Yeah. For me, I just want the least amount of problems. If I can let nature take, can I just let nature take care of it, man? That's what we're trying to do. For Why sure. don't we do that? Nature does. Right? We just said it. Why isn't everything leveled because of spider mites and powdery mildew in nature? Because nature has a balance. It's but we're, we're in an indoor grow room at times. That's not nature. There's so a monoculture. There's a monoculture issue where there's not that diversity that we'd expect in nature. There's There are differences, but incorporating some of those solutions into yeah. managed practice, I think, is going to help us take that next huge step to combat some of our challenges 
and eliminate maybe some of the chemicals we don't want to use. What about, speaking of nature and what's already there, you know, you go buy a bag of soil from the store, some different brands will list, hey, this is actually, we we have these these bacillus strains in here already, et cetera. So there's, I don't know if I want to call them native, but any bag of soil has got some stuff going on in it, yep. some bacteria, if you're going to give it food. You know how much or, bacteria you've got on you right now? Yeah. How many strains you could list? Depends. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> just, I'm, so but I'm my point swab. is that it's, it's, swab, dude. It's, <laughs> it's pretty easy to just start listing bacteria that are in there. There's bacteria everywhere. I can list bacteria on that swab carpet. Swab right man. here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but some people will say, look, you know, I, I get what you got going on, um, but why am I adding these different microbes if I already got microbes? But your microbes are specific. So I'm saying with what's in recharge to the extent, is it safe to say that you're not going to find what the, what, how many species are in mammoth peas? It's four. four. Those natively happening in anything. You need to add those to get those. Could they be growing in dude's mustache? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> he just looked and see. Dude, I got some news for you. Just um, they occurred in, they occur in nature. We, ex- we captured our microbes from nature, but they occur in such low relative abundances because there's all this diversity. And what I, what I think about, I'm going to take this a little different direction. I think mm-hmm. about using microbes in managed cultivation and agriculture with more confidence and more precision. And as we collect, we could collect soils from nature and we could grow them up, get a sugar water, we could grow them up. We wouldn't have any idea what's growing. And I'll tell you, every time you collected a soil sample, at least seasonally, you're going to see a different microbial signal right. because microbes, even in nature shift season, uh, uh, shift yeah. seasonally. And so there's inconsistency and it's really hard to have consistent, highly functional microbes that you can source from any one place. And that's the value of having technologies yeah, that can bring precision function and precision community structure like Scotty's and, and our product among others can bring. And if you can do that, then growers can know start your using results. microbes with confidence, have consistent results and manage. I like that. when you say with confidence, I mean, whether you're a farmer, an indoor grower or whatever, you're like, man, I know it's, it's veg time. I need some nitrogen. You want to have the same level of that person being like, I need these micro, like it's just as important yeah, as I my know what they'll do for me. Yeah, that's so. exactly right. And that's how, uh, cultivators, growers, farmers can start thinking about using microbes with a targeted function to help plants grow and take up nutrients right. and specific nutrients when that plant needs that in a veg cycle or a bloom cycle or a clone cycle or a finishing cycle. Yeah. yeah let yeah. the plant do that. You let, let the action happen in the rhizosphere as opposed to you just force feeding the plant dumping, you know, what they call it more on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that doesn't work. I mean, in, in agriculture it doesn't work. It, well, it can work. It, and it can also, you can think it's working. It can build you a big plant with big buds. That's well, really- all, you've talked about it in your your speeches or just, yeah, the, the runoff problem. I, whenever you talk about dumping more, I just picture stuff going. I used to live by the Mississippi River into the Mississippi, sure. down to the Gulf. How many people swim in the Mississippi? I don't. I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiple reasons, though. Not just that. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> you don't swim there. You get put there. Uh, yeah, but I think it grows an incomplete. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, grows an incomplete. This conversation's taking a twist. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it grows a complete plant. I think you grow a plant that's susceptible to disease and, and problems when you're just pouring uh, the major building blocks on. Yeah, to think that we picture. understand what a plant needs and to say, yo, needs these 11 secondaries, these three, ma- you know, these three majors and a micro package. A bio, they throw a micro package in there. You know, it's, it's not enough, man. Right. Or at least you can't be pushing that on the plant. The plant has to pull what it needs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Let's get another one here from JR, changing gears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, come on. He's saying that you guys, uh, he made some tincture from, he said you guys uh, have from last year's CBD project, and he said it's next level pain treatment for those who suffer with chronic pain. Is this something you guys plan on bringing to the masses and concentrates or flour, or is this something you can talk about another? Wait, who made tincture? Well, JR said he made some JR, tincture. So, you know, JR, when, when, I we need had your that, when we had dinner okay. at the Expo, yeah. and I gave him some CBD flour, right, right. he ended up using it, then he ended up extracting some and making tincture out of it. And he loved it. And I was really happy that that he gave me that feedback. I mean, he can give a true report for the people listening that don't know JR. I mean, he's an amputee. He deals with pain every day. Sure. And is, yeah, so it's a good person to give good feedback on it. But yeah, so that was CBD flower, like super, is it the, the super low THC or is it? Even? Yeah, it was, it was well under 1% THC Okay, and it, our, our analysis was well under 1% THC and 22% CBD, <clears throat> among other things. No, we we got a bunch of it. And, um, uh, I grew it because partially we grow, uh, hemp. We have hemp farms for mm -hmm. agriculture purposes. We want to continue to work with plants right. and work with different microbial solutions to see how they'll grow and respond. And that's part of what we do. And that's actually our core competency is a company of micro competency from academia and now uh, it, with Mammoth Microbes. However, I think there's this whole huge other impact of actually growing medicine and getting it in the hands of people that I'm fascinated by. I'm still thinking about how to do that uh, effectively, but it's very, very important to me. And I think I'm still working on developing business models on, on how we can do that best. And I say business models because I don't understand exactly yeah. how to do that. Besides just give it away. And right now, just give it away. Uh, me and Banner were just talking about that today. He's like, so what is this new thing we're doing? And he's like, is it for what, you know, what is it for? Is it a bit? And I'm like, I think it's a business, but I think it's also got social aspects to it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like a lot of the things we're doing, it's hard to tell uh, when you're really passionate about, uh, you know, trying to change the way the world eats, the way the world thinks about their, their plants and, and food and nature for that matter. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell when you're working. I mean, sometimes it feels like work when you're getting up at 6 a.m. I ain't going to lie yeah. there, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I just dig it, man. I dig uh, you guys are going to Spain. You, you'll be in Spain next week, right? Yep. Going to go to Spain and do the Spanibus thing and, and start plugging the market. We're selling a lot of product, Mammoth Microbes in Spain now. So we're bringing microbes to Spain. Nice. And then just for that tour, we talk about that work quickly. I'm giving a talk in Israel and going to do a lot of discovery with growers and uh, in medical growers in Israel. And then working with our distributors in the UK and, and Mammoth P, for example, is being used all through the UK and then finishing off with a talk, ICBC, is that right? Mm -hmm. in, in Berlin. In Berlin. And I'm going to spend a couple of weeks with growers. I think about just Israel real quick. I'm just thinking about that part of the world. And it's desertified. Is the desertification, is that what they call it? When it used to be fertile and now it's a desert. That should tell us something. But man. what I didn't realize is how much cannabis technology comes out of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. It's Raphael Machine. Yeah. and everything. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But I just wonder, just on a bigger level about getting, trying to reclaim soil. I mean, when you look at something and you can say that, you know, they've been, they've had culture there for what, thousands of years. And you can look at places there and go, this isn't the fertile you know, place the fertile valley that it's described in the Bible. And you're like, Oh, well, it used to be. So I've now never, it's desert. I've never been there. So I'm, it's going to be completely new for me. I do know that there is a lot of indoor growing for multiple crops. And it's, uh, it's one of the big havens for greenhouse production. Sure. And that's, and that's part of the reason. It for probably sure. is the reason why their soil is crap. Yeah. I mean, or you're building those connections. got crappy. Then they had to do, go to indoor growing. Sure. Yeah. 
And how do you get, I mean, I guess it's through, you know, you've worked hard for, I don't want to be like cheesy brand recognition, but when you go somewhere like Israel, you've never been, I'm presuming you have connections, you're welcome to tour these grows and do all this specifically because of mammoth microbes is known now. I mean, yeah, because, because yeah. Uh, parsley and that's partially because these trade shows too. I think these trade shows are really important. I was talking to JR about, you know, how many shows we go to and, and, the, and the return on that. Well, I went to Spanibus and I am I, in Madrid and then the time before that in March in 2017, but the one in Madrid in particular, it wasn't the biggest span of a show. The one in Barcelona in March is much bigger. Right. But we uh, were able to talk, have wonderful conversations with a couple of groups from Israel. And those are the conversations or the leads that allowed us to continue to talk and carve out relationships. And now we're going on tours because we developed relationships with some people that were over there. So it's, you know, again, it's actually about networking. And, it's amazing what a people. face-to-face conversation can do yeah, absolutely. with one person. I mean, regardless right. of the size of the show, yeah, like you're saying, it's that one one person you meet that could change, you know, the whole experience or make it worth being there. It takes one conversation for me to be very glad that I'm at that show. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it, man. We'll keep pushing, brother. Get on that's that right. airplane and uh, let's change updates, the world. Man. Yeah, we're going to try and move forward with uh, where in the world is Dr. Colin, um, try and get you once a week. You said you're traveling soon for a couple months or something. Yeah, so I'm in Colorado the rest of this week. I got here at this weekend here in Colorado at home. Very happy to be here. Yeah. Leaving Saturday morning, I'll spend a couple weeks in Spain and we'll be there for Spanibus so I can report on that and just talk about and report back from some growers I'm going to go see and what's going on in Spain. Definitely, if you're excited, we'll talk about Israel the following week as I go there. And I'm giving a talk at a conference, the awesome. Canatech conference. So we can talk about that. We can talk about the scene and the environment. And that, I mean, they're pushing technology on the medical side and on the cultivation side significantly in Israel. So that will be fun. We to always talk hear about. news stories coming out, yeah, about the push for different things with uh, epilepsy and CBD and, yeah, all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think their government's fully on board now. For sure. They're leading the world as far as the medical testing and dosing and those types of questions on that on the human health benefits of it God, makes you wonder what would happen if our government actually got on board with cannabis you know what what <laughs> soon enough soon enough yeah. soon enough man there's well, we so much be, good common sense going on over there man everything's could, gonna work you know out what soon what enough the usa could do honestly with federal backing is lead the world in cannabis in the cannabis industry in cultivation in medicine we could lead the world with the infrastructure that we have and it's because of these federal limitations that that we're lagging and even colombia in south america is going to lead the world in cultivation and we're going to be behind and we could do that i wouldn't want to lead the world when i could just fight with the idiots man just, I mean, sound a little evil. There's only so many good old boys left. They're dying off. I mean, it's literally, it's just a, once. What? There's more dumb people today than ever, man. I take offense to that, man. <sighs> All right. We'll end it on that. Kind of, yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, coming up soon, we'll be to see you guys. Uh, thanks so much for being a major supporter and helper with our event. The DGC I really appreciate Cup. it, man. Yeah. Um, right I expect to see you guys. We're super excited. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. They're hanging and, you know, partying, et cetera. So that's going to be awesome guys. And, uh, man, unless you wanted to touch on much else, I think I'm pretty good, man. Good, I'm man. I'm like, good. We hung. Yeah. I didn't even get to smoke. Oh, that's right. I toked up my lemon G once. I didn't offer it to anybody. All right. We'll take care of that in a minute. All right. All right. Check them out, guys. Mammoth Microbes. Uh, and if you're going to be in Europe, find you over there. And as far as the next event here, will probably be the DGC Cup. So April 14th. Yes. It's going to be amazing. 
bring the bank. <laughs> Definitely stay tuned to this guy's Instagram. He's on it these days, Colin W. Bell. And uh, you can follow all of his adventures. Yeah. Doing some pretty cool stuff. Like it. Deal. Thanks, right. guys. Peace out. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon. And when the boss says is to take a little break, that means we're lighting up a dude. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good boss on, on, on. It's just weed. It's just weed. In my toolbox, there's a bomb. Some people start their day off with a pill. It's what the doctor says to do. They shake their heads at natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good on. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to smoke it out of me Look at me, smoking weed, I ain't done nothing